This is Strange Assembly episode 206, Seven Factions. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Hello! And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes in the whatever that thing is that you can do it on an Android phone. Google is the <laughs> Google Play Store. I should. You can tell which kind of phone I have. Actually, mm-hmm. you can't. I don't have either of those kinds of phones. You still have the Nokia brick that you can, you know, kill people with by dropping it on their them. Yes, something like that. It's been a bit since. We had anything, and this should not be a long one. If you're not up to date on my personal life, and if you are, it's a little creepy, guys. Like, back off a smidge. Yeah, somebody needs to update the restraining orders again. (laughs) I'm moving this summer, and we've been in the process of getting everything ready to sell our house, and that's kind of consumed my free time, because we're the the sort of folks who um, maybe sort of accumulate things without decluttering (laughs) on a consistent basis. Well, for example, I got the, I want to say Shattered Dreams expansions for Mansions of Madness or the Shattered Dream tile and figure collection. It's the one that has the tiles and figures that replicate the content that was in the first edition expansions. It was the first second edition expansion I had gotten because I already had Mansions of Madness first edition, so I didn't need to buy the expansion of that. And I I knew the whole time, like, going into this, I was going to take all the tiles and figures out of that. I was going to put them in my second edition Mansions of Madness box, and that was going to be it. And usually what then happens is that I have this empty expansion box that sits in its own little shelf of what's wrong with you, Chris, (laughs) <laughs> in my my office with all the other empty expansion boxes or the empty core game boxes as the case may be if the expansion for example that once you get the expansion you can't really use the Lords of Waterdeep core box anymore <laughs> so that's my Lords of Waterdeep is just in Scoundrels of Skullport but it turns out that because it's just this tile and figure collection that's just going to be dumped into the the base game box there's no actual box for the second for the the second edition tile and figure collections. There is a box for the first normal expansion beyond the threshold. It's just a sleeve and then the sort of interior like some nondescript cardboard, which meant because it was just a sleeve, I felt free to just take it and put it in the trash. Like any sane human being would do anyway. <laughs> That's just my example of of things that contribute to why it takes up so much of my time to to declutter the house and and get it set. So I hope that going forward, we will be hitting Strange Assembly more often. We still have a number of normal reviews to do. We should have something coming up. Our next episode should be about Thunderstone Quest, which is on Kickstarter right now. But this episode is about Legend of the Five Rings. We have not had much in the way of Legend of the Five Rings, barely anything in the way of Legend of the Five Rings, since 
the AEG game ended, and we've been in this hiatus before the Fantasy Flight game releases, but the Fantasy Flight game, the living card game version, does release at Gen Con this August, and that's, you know, what, five and a half months from now. At some point, maybe next month, don't know, completely making it up, we'll start to get, like, hopefully, yes, some sort of official something from them. I mean, and it's not like they're surprising anyone, right? This is not the surprise release of Gen Con 2016. It was announced a year and a half ago. And so what I would like to do is, as we get these early snippets, we can have quote-unquote emergency podcasts where (laughs) Jay and I can provide our essentially random thoughts in response to this, like what oh, this is the information they've revealed and what does that tell us about the game and how is that different from what things used to be and is that good or is that bad and oh my gosh the sky is falling or it's the best thing ever i think right this is this qualifies as the internet so our only two choices are yeah it's the best thing ever or the sky is falling right yeah the, i believe those are the two options that are allowed now i i call it an emergency podcast actually for kind of election related reasons because i right la- i remember during 2016 with all the election coverage you'd all these things that Anytime anything happened, they'd be in an emergency podcast. So there were some times they'd have like three, emer- like, you know, NPR would have three emergency podcasts in one week or something like that. Like, you can just wait for the normal one, guys. And it's a special misnomer here because we're talking about information that came out a week ago, give or take. But that's okay. We'll, we'll call this our first emergency L5R podcast. Now, Fantasy Flight did not announce anything officially on their website recently. However, the International Game Fest went on recently in Cannes in France. And you may know that Fantasy Flight is kind of synonymous with Asmodee North America, which is by a long shot the largest hobby board game publisher. I mean, when mm-hmm. you when you carve that category down, right? So you're excluding mash market publishers, and you're excluding, like, Wizards of the Coast. I mean, they they publish some board games, but I, I think if you lump Magic in, they would just still stomp Asmodee, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure. Probably. Right, Asmodee is a European company. They have a presence there. And at this, they had a poster board up, basically? So that's that's largely what we're talking about here. We're having an entire podcast about a poster board and then like two things that someone from the company said to a guy at the thing. Yeah, so so there's that. I mean, we've got a picture of the poster board. And it's very pretty. Go look at it for yourself. Yes, and so Terra Ludica is the name of the group. I don't know who they are. The French that did this. So we got to see it through. They, right, they put the picture up on Imgur. They also posted on their their Facebook page. And as one might have guessed from the title of this episode, the main takeaway is that to all appearances, there are going to be seven factions at the launch for the Legend of the Five Rings card game. Right, L5R, when it ended for AEG, there were nine factions with the plan being to stay at nine factions but like swap out the mantis as a playable faction and then swap in the naga except tag in well yeah except then when they switched brand managers he was like 
he made it sound like maybe the Mantis were going to stay anyway. I don't know. There was this whole giant leak of Onyx Edition stuff, but I got to tell you, I wasn't interested enough at the time to actually hunt it down, so I'm not sure what was in it. Hey. <laughs> Uh, but the right there was this discussion. There have at various times been as many as fourteen factions in L5R and as few as six. And nobody I don't think seriously thought that the launch number would be more than nine, but there were an awful lot of people angry one way or the other about whether or not, oh no, it should be nine, or whether or not, like, well, isn't it really gonna be the original seven and then people getting angry about that? Because, right, the the two that would get excluded are Spider and Mantis, and so because it's a discussion about Spider, people get angry at each other. Mm-hmm. But it it does appear this poster, right? This poster has seven mons. They are new representations. I mean, that it's the same mon, it's the same shape, but they're much prettier art. Yeah, they look much nicer up mm-hmm. front. There, they have less in the picture. They have less contrast than the old mons would have because they're they're more there's more going on graphics wise but less color diversity the dragon one for example is green on green instead of green on yellow mm-hmm. but they are very pretty looking they're not in alphabetical order which disturbs me but <laughs> well they're in alphabetical order except that the crane are before the crab and in case you were wondering no that does not make them in alphabetical order in french no, 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 they are in alphabetical order. It's just the clan is now the triple uh, A crane because they're <laughs> they're just that uh, pretty. They have to be first. They wanted to show up first in the yellow pages. A A A crane clan. <laughs> exactly, you get it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so I guess this would seem to kid. Yeah, it's not going to be less than seven. Seven is the sort of number that they're comfortable launching with. They don't always launch with seven or, or more. But I think Game of Thrones had eight. I think that's been yeah. the most. Netrunner had seven. I think there were seven at the launch of Conquest, although don't quote me on that. I remember Conquest very quickly ramped up factions. I don't honestly remember how many were in their base set. They had the quote-unquote normal factions in the base game, and those used the Alliance wheel. And then you added, in the Deluxe expansions, they added Tyranids who sat outside of the Alliance wheel. I think that they couldn't ally period or something along those lines and then the necrons were sort of kind of were sort of in the wheel they had more of an ability to draw from everyone now that mm-hmm. was that was known at launch that those expansions were coming i don't remember if that was known you know 5 months out right so it's possible those get it later it's possible that they add a, a bunch more factions you know your your constraint is really if this follows the normal lcg model you get a 20 card pack. So, or not, I mean, not 20 total cards, but usually something like 20 different cards with a play set of each. You know, who knows, right? It, we don't even know mechanically how this game is going to work. How I imagine they're going to try to capture the feel of the original game, but I don't think they feel obligated to slavishly follow its uh, mechanics. Yeah, I mean, I think a big indicator of how many factions we'll see in this game is going to be when we do start seeing the rules, how easy or difficult is it to bring in other factions into your deck? I think it will be easier to bleed factions than it has been in L5R. Probably, yes. They could keep it for the purposes of 
you know, nostalgia or or retaining the feel of the original, but of their card games that I have been that I've played with, I don't remember any of them having any sort of mechanic like L5R had for Out of Faction where you paid more for out of clan personalities. It's usually just a deck building restriction. Mm-hmm. For Star Wars, there's a resource match requirement. I mean, you have to have the resource match, but there's no additional cost to them, which I think works out relatively well. It It's sort of weird, right? You always had with L5R where out-of-clan personalities cost more that, for the most part, out-of-clan personalities were either not playable or if an out-of-clan personality was player, that's because like something they like had broken the personality. Yeah, they were just so ridiculously efficient or so ridiculously specific ability that you couldn't otherwise get that it was worth paying the extra to get the man. Yeah, yeah, and and that is especially because of the lower card pool that increases the need to have some sort of bleeding, right? Like Garrett Game of Thrones. I think they've become significantly less important as the card pool has developed, but didn't Game of Thrones launch with the banners? Yeah. I'm one house, I play a banner for another house, and except for the, the loyal guys, it just lets me play with 15 cards from another faction or something like that? It's a minimum. You had to have at least some number of your banner, whatever banner faction you were pulling in. And that's the sort of thing. For Conquest, you could grab a certain number of cards from the two factions next to you on the Alliance wheel. For Netrunner, you have a certain number of influence based on your identity. Default is 15, although I know they've changed that up. Mm-hmm. You get 15 influence worth of cards from other factions, and you can mix and match and whatever. So that, that doesn't mean any L5R is going to do any one of those, but there's a kind of consistency in how they do that across multiple games where it is not this sort of... It, it, I mean, Star Wars, I think, is the one where it's m- the most a factor once the game starts. Yeah, presumably, I mean, just the nature of the LCG, they're going to have some way to, to make it easier to bring in other factions' cards. Yeah. But what else did we actually learn here? There was nothing official about the gameplay, but there were a couple of reports Reported comments, and this is you know somebody asked Terra Ludica, "Have you heard anything about the new mechanics?" All I heard is there will be a lot of change. This is some of this is translated from French, so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say the developers told me that they will start from the beginning of the first version and then implement new mechanics. When I read that on Reddit, it was implying that that was in reference to the uh, story. That made it sound like they're planning to reboot the story back to presumably pre-Day of Thunder. Well, there's two different things. One of them is the mechanics, and and Terra Ludica takes that from what I could tell from the conversation as if they might be like starting with the mechanics of the original LCG of the original. Sorry, the original L5R mechanics, and then going from there. I guess I don't take it that way. That's my own sort of prejudices of what it is. Like. Mm-hmm. Going back to the original L5R mechanics and starting from there, like uh, L5R aged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were a lot of things that twenty years ago 
nobody knew any better when designing a card game, and we've evolved 20 years of card games since then. Yeah, so now what they separately said was, so they, this is again, Terra, Terra Ludica reporting on conversations there. No story reboot announced. They want to build the background of the game from the role-playing game background. They will reboot the game mechanics, however. Uh, and then there's the other quote, a Google Translate of another quote, which is, for the story they make a reboot via the, the RPG. So mm-hmm. we forget all the paths taken by version one on the storyline. So there's a lot of ways you could take that. I, again, entirely based on my prejudices of the sort of thing of what I thought to do, that doesn't ring to me as they're literally doing a do-over on the storyline. Like, we're going to live through Clan War again. They could be. Right. I, I think that that was definitely one interpretation you could have of that statement. Uh, yes, because if you go back to the the uh, the or- origins of the role-playing game, first edition mm-hmm. in the role-playing game was set pre-Scorpion Clan coup. And that would be consistent with these seven factions, right? The Mantis right. don't exist as a great clan. There is no, at that point in time, no significant Shadowlands presence, which if there is an eighth faction added in, I would think that Shadowlands would be the I mean, without knowing anything about the mechanics, but, you know, Shadowlands mm-hmm. is the sort of next most significant faction in the history of the game that's not represented here. Right. It also could be that they they kind of go back to that sort of pseudo-static Rokugan, right? Mm-hmm. Because the the period before the Clan War, that default RPG setting, isn't literally just right before the Clan War. I'm I'm not... I'm not going to go dig out to see exactly what the Rokugani date is, but right there's a, I think that that point, that's a couple hundred, two, three hundred years since the unicorn came back. Yeah. Everything's more or less stable and fixed and how it is. Yeah. The unicorn still have the aura of the new and the different, Mm -hmm. but but yeah, it's still set in this, you know, you could be anywhere like after the unicorn are back and established up to the day before the scorpion clan coup and real nothing has really changed in the broad strokes mm-hmm. of the setting so it could be that they're taking that sort of generic rokugan setting and doing some completely new storyline with it that there isn't even a second day of thunder or there could be a second day of thunder but it happens in a a completely different way, not a retelling of there's a Scorpion Clan coup and then there's a different reaction or the, you know, people get to play out the Scorpion Clan coup and maybe it happens differently and maybe, right, it's just, it could just have almost nothing to do with that. Right. So also going back to the statement, again, we're interpreting translated third hand thing from a, you know, supplier, but I definitely feel like there's a read of that quote that they're going to do the R- do RPG stuff. Maybe even use that as their primary story push, which I think would be interesting to see. They have said, if I recall correctly, that they it is their intent to continue the RPG in some shape, although the LCG has to get out there and establish first. Right. The other thing is that there is a disjoint between some of those things. For the the translation of, for the story they reboot via the role-playing game, that's different from no story reboot announced. 
They want to build the background of the game from the role-playing game background. No story reboot announced. That's not consistent with going back to what the setting was at the beginning of the RPG. It's just not. Right. No story reboot. Right. Again, there's translation and secondhand and who knows. But if you're taking that as accurate, then the story will continue. You might time jump. And it's, I believe it's still on the Fantasy Flight website. There is the reference to Rokugan and her colonies. Mm-hmm. So that could be taken as just meaning they're not going to reboot the story. They're going to continue on in some way from what's already happened. They're just really heavily drawing on the inspiration for the RPG for inspiration of how things are going to go. Right. And what the clans signify. And they, if they progress on from where AEG left off, that could be any. They could do any. You could, you could start it in the Onyx edition sort of thing where Ken Pecky is ruling everything. You could move past that where he's been kicked out and everyone's taken over again or any number of a, a million other things that you want to do. And and especially since that never actually happened. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff got planned out for it to happen, but we didn't actually get Onyx edition. So you could not reboot the story and also not have Onyx edition have ever happened at all. Right not tell the same stories that they had planned to tell. Yeah. So we've now talked way too long about basically things we know nothing about. Almost nothing. Yeah. So that, I guess that's my that's my thoughts. The right, main thing, we, like, we're starting with seven factions. Yeah. They're the quote-unquote original seven, although in, depending on how you look at it, there are two of them that are not original clans. Right, depending on how you interpret original. It, yeah, yeah. And then, but, you know, like, what are they going to do, launch with five? That's not, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and if you were only going to launch with five, you'd probably want to get the scorpion in there, so you've got, like, one dirty clan. And then I, I don't know what to make of the the rebooting thing. There's kind of contradictory signals. The one that I'm directly looking at seems to indicate that if the story is in some way going to continue on from what it was before, but again, you know, this is a guy talking to a guy who I, I think maybe was a designer, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think unfortunately we're going to have to wait for FFG to start offic- releasing official articles to really have any answers to that, which they need to get on with. Come on. Yes, but but that doesn't mean that you listeners should not still tune in to see whatever we have to say about whatever happens to get out there in the wild. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. You have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there or on iTunes or in the Google Play Store. If you'd be so kind, we always love it if you'd leave us a rating or review on any of those podcast services. It helps other people discover the show. You can find us on the usual so, usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. You can reach me directly as well. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. It's dangerous to go alone. Take all seven of these.